Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. Take a seat and relax. This is the 101.9 High FM, and my name is Rabbi Levi Afton, and here we are live on the 4th of Adar, Adar 1, the first Adar. This year we have two months. And the 13th of February, 2024. Hope your week is going well. Not perfect. That doesn't happen. Um, Not in this world, at least. But it's going well. And most of that is very much determined, not on circumstances outside of us, but circumstances in how we interpret in our minds. Obviously, thank God this week, we were so thrilled that two of the hostages were released. So it's been a hard week with death and sadness. But where I want to go in today's Febring and then hopefully be able to explore a bit in this um, our few minutes together is really to try to remind ourselves to choose to have a bird's eye view rather than, you know, the view of a cat or a mouse or a a four-legged animal on this earth. The human being, we're told, we, you know, that's a fact. We're not told. You could see that. But we stand on two legs. And one of the reasons that the mystics give is that so that we can look up to the sky easily. We don't have to turn around. You literally just yank your head back and you look up and you could see the sky. You could pick up your eyes towards the sky and always remember that there are things beyond you. Versus when you walk on four legs, mostly all you see is right in front of you and down. And as human beings, we tend to, even though we walk on two legs, to still see what's beneath us as we're walking and what's in front of us. Um, And once in a while, we look up. And I'm not literally talking physically as much as metaphysically. Um, But even in a physical sense, you know, when... Neil Armstrong walked on the moon for the first time in 1969. A lot more people were looking at the sky, were fascinated by the sky. Um, these days, not not nearly as much, although um, we have our the favorite South African who's trying to get us all to Mars. Um, but fundamentally, most of us live within this world, and our view of reality is very much interpreted on what we can see. And it takes a bigger perspective, a spiritual perspective, a perspective of history, a perspective of destiny that allows a person to not only see the reality in front of them, but to see the reality from beyond. It's a huge leap to develop the bird's eye view and be able to see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture doesn't necessarily mean that you know everything. Nobody knows the future. Nobody knows how things are going to play out. But the bird's eye view is about having perspective and context and faith, right? Believing in God and realizing it's not about me and that there's a bigger picture at play and that I am a part in a much bigger um, act, a much bigger destiny that's way beyond me and my small perspective, my tunnel vision, the world I see. 
And especially in hard times and challenging times, we are challenged to to have a dream, to pick our eyes up, to see things beyond the simple today. Because today, first of all, most of us cannot even interpret today. But more than that, we have no, if you don't have a history and you don't understand or at least attempt to understand the bigger picture, you get so bogged down by the minutia of today. Um, I'll give you an example. It's, it's not so much an example as, you know, I remember hearing from a person that's much wiser than me who said that the second most important topic to study beyond uh, the Torah, beyond the Bible, beyond faith is history more than mathematics and more than any other subject is history. And not so much the facts of history, he did that and she did that, but rather the narrative of history, understanding the bigger picture, seeing where we come from, where we're going. Because that allows you to stay above the fray. Otherwise, every small event or large event that happens today is, a, as they say in Yiddish, an Iber Lebanish. It's a full-on transformative experience it shifts us it changes us and every event that takes place fully affects our mood um to the good and to the bad but it's it's not a healthy way to live when i don't have when i believe that history started the day i was born and when i believe that there's no meaning there's no long trajectory of history we're not coming from anywhere we're not going anywhere then i feel much more lost one of the great ideas that faith, specifically Judaism, gave the world is the idea that the world is not cyclical. It's not just going over in circles. There's a beginning and there's a destination, right? The big idea of the Torah, I mean, there's many big ideas, but one of the big ideas is literally in the first word of the Bible, Bereshit, in the beginning. There was a beginning. And for most of history, people did not believe there was a beginning. At least the science community did not believe. Only when they heard the, they managed to find the remnants of the Big Bang in the telescope where they, in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, did they finally, the, the scientific community, buy into the idea that there was a beginning. But for a very long time, most people didn't believe in the beginning. And we believe that history is not just this endless cycle of, you know, rebirth and death and then start again and over and over and over, but rather it's, it's a bumpy road, but it's a road, and there's a beginning of a road, and there's a destination on the road. I won't say the end, because the Messianic era is not the end, but it's a very different reality, what we believe the Mashiach arrival will usher in. But we're heading somewhere. It's not just about me. It's not just about now. History and my ancestry and your ancestry all matters. We're building on things way bigger than us, right? The famous analogy that's given that we are midgets on the shoulders of giants, that we are, we play our part, but, and we have value, but we're standing on giants. And our small little reality that's happening now is part of a much larger picture that transcends this moment. It's bigger than this split 
second. And if I forget that, if I really think that all there is to reality is the moment I was born to the moment I die, and the whole universe is me and my experience, I will be infinitely more stressed out. Yes, I as the individual am important, but I am not the be-all and end-all of reality. There's a much bigger reality than my subjective experience. And when I can look back, yank back, and realize, wow, where am I coming from? What's this story of my people? What's my story? What's the story of humanity? What have we accomplished? Where are we yet to go? What is the, the context in which all this messiness is happening? It allows me to then shift into a bird-eye view and to develop a lot more perspective and comfort in this moment. And on that theme, and I would always try to choose songs that um, fit the theme of where we're trying to go in this Fabregan. So one of my uh, favorite songs, Avraham, and it's a song uh, from Eighth Day. And fundamentally, it's yanking back, looking back to Avraham Avinu, our patriarch Abraham, who lived 4,000 years ago, his experience, but his experience, how it relates to us, that interconnectivity that crosses over 4,000 years. So this is Avraham on 101.9 FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson, and it is a privilege and an honor to be here with you. And Avraham, you're proud of us, right? That was the song talking to our patriarch Abraham, who lived thousands of year ago, years ago, and that connectivity that we still have. Now, just before the song, we were talking about this idea that when a person gets a historical, a bigger perspective, they're able to handle life um, in, a, in a very different fashion. And I'll give you a prime example, um, one that we all know, and that is, right, in 10 weeks' time, we're going to be celebrating Pesach, Passover. Why do we do it? In six weeks' time, or just under five weeks, actually, we're going to be celebrating Purim. Five and a half weeks, we're going to be celebrating Purim. Why? Why are we celebrating Purim? A story that happened two and a half thousand years ago. Pesach happened even longer than that, right? Three, three, 3,300 years ago. Why? Why are we celebrating this stuff? Our people left Egypt a long time ago. That's important. That's nice. It's important to remember. Was it a founding moment? Of our nation, yes. Was it a founding moment of civilization? Yes. But that's not enough to justify to us to go absolutely fanatic and pay crazy prices. Can't wait for that kvetching, huh? Rov, can you believe how expensive Pesach food is this year? Anyway, yeah, just prepare yourself. It's just happening. So let's all brace ourselves. It's coming. But more importantly than the prices of food is why are we doing this? Sentimentality, tradition, all that's cute and nice. But fundamentally, we live by a principle that says already in the Mishnah, every single generation, a person must live as if they are leaving Egypt. That the exodus from Egypt is not just an historical event. It is a timely event that's happening in our lives every single day. Why? Because when I connect an ancient event to my current life, it gives me perspective and it teaches me lessons for my day-to-day. And suddenly I realize that what happened 
is part of my story. I am a part of a nation that left. I am part of a nation that's leaving. Or whether the Purim story, right, that Haman wanted to destroy us all, and he got the king, Achashverosh, to buy into it. And God, who turned it around, the Jewish people were able to turn it around and, and avenge their enemies. But that message happened. It's a story that happened, but more importantly, it's timeless. It gives me a, a message. It reminds me of what happened, but it reminds me what is happening. The past isn't the past. There's a famous expression, sorry for not quoting it. You know, people think that the past is the past, but the truth is it's not. It's, it's actually current. History isn't just historical. It's very current. It's playing out. Nothing really is ever historical. I mean, even if when you think about what's going on in Israel now, you cannot understand anything that's happening without going hundreds, if not thousands of years back in history. Many people are trying to solve it based on very narrow definitions or very narrow understandings of dynamics. Oh, let's just make peace. Two sides want to negotiate in good faith. We believe that everybody can make it happen, blah, 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 without realizing that it's patronizing to both sides by making it believe that it's just a simple territorial dispute that, that arose in 1967 or whatever. Rubbish. Nobody believes that. None of the two sides believe it. It's only a, a few useful idiots who want to buy into that narrative. But again, if you don't understand the bigger picture, if you zoom in rather than zoom out, whether it's in geopolitical events or whether it's in our own lives, we'll often get lost in the details and lose the bigger coherent narrative. And I say this in the context of what's going on in Israel. I'm talking about in the context of anti-Semitism, in the context of so much of the West struggling with its identity, the, all the chaos that many of us are feeling around the world. It's not, where did it come from? I can't believe it. I remember a conversation that I was having with friends. This is the early 2000s. It was actually before. It was before 2001. Um, and I, was, I remember we were, we were sitting and talking, and everyone's like, wow, the world's never been better in the 1990s. And, I, and not because I'm any smarter than any of my friends. I just happen to have a passion for history and have studied a lot of history in my, in my time. I remember turning to them and saying, guys, this isn't the end of history. Obviously, hopefully Mashiach will come, but things change. And, and things will disintegrate because fundamentally in the 90s and the 80s people were living in a fake world all right just this imaginary um right no more struggle or only just the pleasures of life and there's a limit and then the early 2000s were like okay there was the, the wars in iraq and, and um, afghanistan but things are gonna go then the 2008 crash then we're gonna get over the crash and we're like no no it's gonna figure itself out and you're like no the human being goes through processes. And when you tell the human being for 50, 60, 70 years that it's all about you and your happiness and your freedom and your self-expression and you offer no meaning and no God and no purpose to civilization, you don't have to be a prophet. And the truth is you don't have to know much of history to know it will bust. The human being without meaning is the most dangerous creature on the face of the planet. A human being that does not know why they're here a human being that does not find purpose, a human being that's simply serving themselves is the most dangerous, not only to what they do to the planet, or not only what they do to each other, what they do to themselves. 
We have the highest rates of suicides right now in the West than ever in history. More people kill themselves in the United States than are uh, killed in um, violence, in terror attacks, and uh, one more thing, all combined. All combined. The person that has the biggest chance of hurting you is yourself. Why? You put the person, obviously there's multiple reasons. I'm not claiming to have um, the entire answer, but there's no question that when you look at so much of the strain that we as a civilization are taking now, it's because of meaninglessness. But you, again, you don't need to be a major genius to figure that out. You just have to understand a little bit of the human being. You just have to read a book like Man's Search for Meaning, or better yet, read the Bible. I, I give a, a, f- a few times a week, I prepare a podcast on one of the chapters of uh, the Tanakh, of the Bible. And we started, we did the whole five books of Moshe, right? Genesis, then we went into the books of the prophets, and we've already done Joshua, and we've done uh, the judges, and we've done Samuel, Shmuel, and we've done kings, Malachim. And then we went into the prophets, the, the prophecies. So we did the whole book of Yeshaya, Isaiah. It's a lot. It's over 60 chapters. Okay? And some of it is very hopeful stuff, but you see him admonishing. Now, Yeshaya lived a long time ago. He lived over two and a half thousand years ago, 26, 2700 years ago. He's giving a very, very uh, heartbreaking analysis of the human condition. And then we moved on, and now we're still in the middle. We're in the middle of the, the chapter 23 or 24 in the book of Yermio, which is actually, from a word perspective, the most dense book of the Tanakh. It has an incredible amount of words. It's a very, very loaded uh, book, and it's a very intense book. Um, some people refer to him as the prophet of doom. Obviously, that's, that's not fear, and it's not true that he was just prophesizing um, what God was telling him to prophesize. But no question that you read some of those chapters, um, I remember I started teaching the Tanakh, I started teaching those, the, this book before October 7th, before Simchas Torah, and then I wanted to continue after, and I just couldn't. The, those prophecies were so harsh. I literally took a three-month break after October 7th. I couldn't get myself to record that stuff. It just like, was like so relevant and so intense. A few weeks ago, I managed to restart again, and we've done a few more chapters. But you read that stuff, and you're like, the human being doesn't change. If you think the human being today is, oh, my gosh, people are so shallow, and people are so this, and people are so that, and you become a social critic, just read Yermio, read Yeshaya, read Amos, read other prophets. I promise you, they were much bigger social critics than us, and much better ones, to be honest. And the point is, and the human condition hasn't changed. Maybe two and a half, three thousand years ago, when these prophets were walking around, nobody had cell phones, yay, and they walked around in sandals, and they didn't have nice suits, and they didn't, ha- and, and they maybe you know looked a bit different than each and every one of us. But fundamentally, the human condition hasn't changed. Technology has exasperated human condition. I'll give you a small example on this human condition story. Often people say, "Look at social media, what it's done to the world." Now, to be clear, I'm not on social media. Um, my only social media is WhatsApp. I'm not a, for, for me personally. I'm not a fan. But I often find that when everything's blamed on social media, it's like one second. Do you know that Hitler rose to power without social media? And how about communism? They also rose to power without social media. And most of the biggest tyrants of the world and the the biggest acts of cruelty that have happened in the world had nothing to do with social media. So blaming all of civilization's problems on social media, again, is is just an easy cop-out, imagining that if only we deleted TikTok, Facebook, and uh, a few others, Twitter, X, whatever, from our 
civilization, the human being would regain their moral compass. Give me a break. No, they wouldn't. Yes, this exasperates issues, but it exasperates issues that have nothing to do with social media. And that is the issue of meaninglessness. The issue of a person thinking that the only thing that is important in this world is me taking care of me and my self-expression and me being true to myself and me being authentic and me, 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 me. Of course, then it leads to misery. It has every single time. There's no time in history where you had a self-serving, obnoxious group of people that have managed to build an, a civilization that endured. It does not work. When a civilization is focused outward and helping each other and building community, it lasts. The moment they reach a certain stage of comfort and everybody starts chasing their own comfort, you could see it without fail. In every civilization in history, it collapses on itself. Again, but that's what studying, having perspective is. That's what having a bird's eye view and understanding that what we're going through now, all this radicalism, all this craziness in politics, it's not out of nowhere. Nothing happens out of nowhere. There's a story. And the story is the human being. And the story is not so much the macro about what's going on beyond me, but in the micro, in my life, in your life, in our own families. How solid are our families? How solid is my sense of purpose in this world? Instead of looking and seeing everything out, build myself within and realize that I am a very much part of this universe. And if I develop a healthier perspective of reality, then my universe is healthier. We can change the world, not by changing anybody else, but by changing our perspective of the world, by elevating ourselves and remi reminding ourselves that there's a small piece of heaven and each and every one of us, as this, this is 101.9 IFM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton on 101.9 High FM. There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart, a glorious gift from above. It will sparkle and shine if we all do our part. That song is, gosh, it gets to me every single time. We all do our part to reach out and touch it with love. We need to remind ourselves and those around us that we are a piece of heaven in this earth. And that this earth and its challenges, it's not the big picture. One of the, I won't call it gifts, but one of the experiences I have as a rabbi is I find myself in the cemetery and at prayers quite often. And going to the cemetery is always a reflective experience. You can't avoid it. It reminds you of the of uh, that life has an end, but more importantly, that life actually doesn't have an end. The that physical life has an end, but that there is eternity, and that those who pass have have a, they go to heaven and they have some clarity. They have a picture over there of what, what their life experience is. And you don't have to go to the cemetery. You look at a baby and you see the baby and you realize they weren't just formed nine months ago. They're coming from somewhere. That innocence. They're coming from heaven. We come from heaven and we return to heaven. And then we have a few, hopefully long, years on this earth.
but this is not the whole picture. And when we get lost and we think that all there is is this, and that there is no creator, and there is no purpose, and my life is just random. My parents wanted to have a child, so that's why I was born. Then life is a lot more stressful, a lot more anxiety-provoking, and, and, and much emptier. But when we infuse within ourselves and within our children that life is bigger than any one of us and that we have a purpose, and to ask ourselves every single day, what am I needed for? And if for whatever reason God decided that now we're going to live in a time of chaos, a time of, of flux, fine. I'm not going to stand and resent it the whole day. I'm not going to feel self-pity for myself. I'm not going to try to run off to Sydney and convince myself that I can run away from the chaos. Believe me, you can't. There is nowhere to run. But rather, figure out a way to live meaningful, in, like most of civilization, currently and throughout history. Live in the flux with a meaningful serenity. Serenity is not the, the perspective that comes when you're living in a place that's serene. Serenity is an attitude that we develop no matter where we are. And that's why we have so, much, so many traditions, and that's why we have so many holidays, Hagim, and so many stories that we tell ourselves, so much history that we imbue within ourselves and those we love, because when things get hard, you fall hard on those stories, on those narratives, on those customs, on those traditions, on that perspective, on the bird's eye view. And you suddenly realize, like we say, we're going to say in 10 weeks' time at the Seder, right? That Hashem stood with us because in every generation someone tries to annihilate us. What's happening now, friends, is not anomalous. It's, it's not, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. This is is our history. And God saves us. Yes, often they could hurt us, but ultimately we walk out stronger. And we build. And nobody, the irony I've always said about anti-Semites is that they don't study history. Because no matter how much they could hurt the Jewish people, they don't realize, look at every anti-Semite that came before you. It doesn't work. It leads to nothing other than your own destruction. You cause a lot of pain for us. But Hitler didn't only destroy the Jewish people, he destroyed Germany. And I would say the same thing to any government who thinks that attacking the Jewish people, attacking the Jewish state is going to serve them well. Find me one time in history it's worked out for you in the long run. Find me once. And remember the words of the Bible, the third, the third parsha, Lech Lecha, right? Chapter, I think it's 11 of the Genesis, where God turns to Abraham and says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. You want to succeed? Stand with the Jewish state. You want to flourish? Stand with the Jewish people. That is a guarantee from God himself, from the creator himself. So yes, we go through bumpy times and we go through times where we, where we feel that God is hidden and we feel like clarity is gone. But really the message of today's for bringing and what they're trying to bring across is stand above it. Don't only see the surface. Don't only look down like a four-legged being, but look up 
Look to the heavens. Remind yourself there's a creator. Remind yourself of history. Remind yourself of where we come and where we're going. And through that, we are able to find meaning and this deep belief, this knowledge within each and every one of us that we are greater than this specific challenge. No one can take us down. Nobody. The only person is ourselves. So let's strengthen ourselves. Chazak, chazak. And I'll finish off after the ad with another beautiful song, this one in Hebrew from Hanan Benari, Amen Alayladim. Let's say amen for our children and for us that we should all live in a time of peace from without and from within. Have a great day. <laughs>